Amen. Thank you, choir. And I was thinking, what a blessing, too, to see Peyton baptized and singing for the Lord up there, ministering to us in music. Um, great to be able to serve the Lord. Grateful to her. We are continuing on in the book of Genesis primarily as we look at study on the life of Abraham on faith. And this morning I want to look at faithfulness and failure. How this man who was, eh, terminology might use like a spiritual hero. And that person that you look at, that you almost, well you put on a pedestal because they're just so spiritual. But be careful, because we all can fall. We all have feet of clay. and So that, that's kind of where we're going this morning. As we're in Genesis 12, our reading is verses 7 through the end of the chapter, as we look at this man's failure. So I encourage you, when you find the text, to stand in our God's honor. So read aloud. The Lord appeared to Abram and said... To your offspring, I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants, maidservants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Let's pray. Master, as we bow to you, we need you. None of us have arrived And the truth is, we're less there than we want others to know. Father, as we look at uh, Abram's lapse here, Father, speak to our hearts. May we just be honest before you, the living one. And we might be able to fool each other, but we certainly cannot fool you. Uh, Master, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate with Peyton. Father, we love you and your great love shown to us. And that's what the gospel's about. And thank you for being able to celebrate that this morning with Peyton. Father, may we just covenant to 
walk with you beside her and she beside us that we may walk together until we're in your presence for all time. Uh, Father, lead us this morning as we continue on. May we hear from you because that's really all that matters, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We all long to find that person who has it together, who walks with Jesus with such power. And it's heartbreaking when that person doesn't live up to those expectations. And, well, we've all seen it. I'm, I'm not here to give, you know, a recap of different people that we may know who has had a moral failure of some type and caused a lot of heartache um, in their own family and among God's people. I mean, of course, there are preachers and, you know, we've all known some. No need for me to name any names. That's not the point anyway. Um, I got a call last week from a dear friend of mine. He said, pray for me. He said, one of the music leaders in our church who um, is very involved in our music and our worship. Uh, he lost his job. He's a fireman, and uh, they found pornography all over the computer at the firehouse. And as a result, he lost his job. And, and of course, it's painful in the body of Christ. Why does it happen? What... What occurs where someone can can be walking with Christ or, or apparently has this has it together and and has this powerful just love for the Lord and suddenly they fall? What happens? How could it happen? And that's really what I want to look at um, this morning as we look at Abram. Now, turn with me to the Book of James, chapter five. I want to look at verse seventeen. It's talking about one of my uh, characters that I've always uh, kind of enjoyed, Elijah. And uh, Starting at verse 17, it tells us about Elijah. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. He says, Here, here's Elijah, this, this man of God, this man who, who stood up against 850 false prophets and had this powerful encounter where the Lord God was able to show himself in a powerful fashion and people turned their hearts back to the Lord. I mean, it was a great celebration. But then he heard a word that Jezebel was after him to take out his life. And he fell apart. And he became depressed. And he hid in a cave. And he just wanted, he wanted to die. And, and, and he lost sight of, of that great victory so quickly. And it tells us about him, this guy that... He, you know, he's a spiritual leader. He's a hero. He's got the legacy. And to begin with, the writer just says, he's a man just like us. He gets dressed in the morning just like you. 
Um, listen to it in the Amplified. It says, uh, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution <laughs> like ours. And so the point here is, no matter who the person is, there is a struggle and there is a battle that goes on. And be very careful about putting anybody on a pedestal. About looking at anyone as if they could not fall. Because the truth of the matter is, any of us can. That's why it's so important that we walk close with the Lord. Uh, this word, it's used one other place. He's a man just like us in the New Testament. The book of Acts, chapter 14. As you look at that section of Scripture, we... See that God was working through his leaders, through his missionaries. And they saw that there was a man, and starting in verse 8, he was a man crippled in his feet, lame from birth. He'd never walked. Verse 9 says, he listened to Paul, and as he was speaking, Paul looked directly at him, saw he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up. And he began to walk. And so there was this miracle, and they looked at Paul. It's one of the gods. As you read down, it says, the gods have come down from heaven. Um, it, it, it's interesting here, verse 11, it says, um, they've come down in human form, the gods. Verse 12, Barnabas they called Zeus. Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And then we come down to verse 14. Just look at the response of these men, of Paul and Barnabas. It says, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. There it is. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth, sea, and everything in them. Paul is saying, don't give me too much credit. Don't look to me. Don't follow me. I'll let you down. I'm here to proclaim Jesus. This was done in the power of Jesus Christ. He's the one to be worshipped. Not me. Paul and Barnabas, they're saying, guys, we're just messengers of the true living God. There are expectations that, that get on, put on people in leadership, making them more than they really are. You know, I've said over and over again, I, sometimes I feel like I don't have many sermons in me. One, first one, we're all a mess. Second one, we all need a Savior. And it always seems to come back to that. And the longer I'm alive, the more convinced I am you all are a mess. But you know what? I'm you. I'm a mess too. Thank God that he's a bigger savior than we're a mess. That's the, that's the wonderful message. And he's saying, hey, Elijah, he's just like we are. He has that struggle. He, he, he just barely makes it at times. And this, all this is a great backdrop to go back to our scripture text in Genesis 12. So let's head back there and. As we look at the scripture, it says the Lord appeared to Abram. To your offspring I'll give this land. And 
Abram heard and he believed God. And look at his response. Wow. It says, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abram had a worship service. He built an altar there. He believed what God had said and he celebrated it. He said, man, God is blessing me. And then he goes on. It says from there he went on toward the hills of East Bethel. and He pitched his tent there. He tells us where he was, Bethel on the west, I on the east. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Man, this was a great time in Abram's life. He recognized God. He recognized God's blessings. Things were going well. But the Lord was going to uh, give him a test. All right, Mr. Worshipper. We're going to see what you're really made of. We're going to see if you really mean this. You got on your knees, built this altar, had this great show of affection for me. But but we'll have a test and we're, we're, we're going to see what you do, Abram. He set out, continued toward the Negev, which is the desert. It says, there was a famine in the land. There's the test. <laughs> And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. It says, as he was about to enter Egypt. So, there, you know, it's interesting. We, we read, he, he built an altar. He heard from God. But when there was this famine in the land, there's no mention of him crying out to God. There's no mention of an altar. There's no mention of seeking God's direction. Abram comes up with his own plan. I'm going to head where there's some food. I'm not going to ask God if that's where I should head and if this is what I should do. I can take care of it. I can handle it. F.B. Meyer, in his commentary, uh, wrote this. He said, Egypt stands for alliance with the world. Abram acted simply on his own judgment. He became paralyzed with fear. He went down into Egypt. Fatal mistake. How many make it still? How many develop methods to deliver themselves and sow the seeds of sorrow and despair? We, as children of God, too often court the help of the world before we cry out to the Lord for help. Turn with me, interesting verse here, Isaiah 31. Um, interesting as we think about Abram setting up his own plan to head to Egypt. It's interesting, this warning that God gives through his messenger, Isaiah 31.1. Woe to those who go down where? To Egypt for help. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the magnitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Or seek help from the Lord. That's what he did. He, he looked at this trial, he looked at this test, and he began to devise his own plan without seeking wisdom. From God. Oh, and what a plan. As we look at this uh, plan, for the famine was severe. He, he says to his wife, Sarah, 
I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they'll kill me, but will let you live. Who's he thinking about? Himself, right? Say you are my sister so that I'll be treated well. He'll be treated well. I'll be treated well for your sake and my life. My life will be spared because of you. And what is interesting here is this is not the only time that he pulled this stunt. As a matter of fact, it's interesting as you look through the scriptures. I mean, think about it. There are those who are spiritual leaders, those God called that decided they were going to take care of the test of their way. Remember Jonah? Ninevites. God, you want me to go to speak to those people? That'd be like saying, I want you to go over to ISIS or ISIL. You know, don't worry about that bunch. They, I'm not going there, God. I am not about to go there. So what's he do? He gets him a ticket on a ship headed the opposite direction. The ship didn't sink, but he sunk until he ended up in a fish's belly. And God ended up getting him where he needed to be. But he had devised this plan. And then, of course, we think about Samson. Man, Samson, this Nazarite, he's set aside for God's purposes. Where does he end up? He ends up in enemy territory. And he ends up, basically, with a prostitute. Were he there? How'd you end up there, Samson? He he drifted away from God's call where God wanted him to be because he was going to take care of that test, that lust that just aided him and, and that he battled with. And, and he wasn't listening to God. And then, of course, David, in the time of war, he's up on the roof and he's... Wow, look at that Bathsheba. Whoa, you know, he's looking down there. And he shouldn't be there. It says that he should be with the soldiers headed out to battle. And, and over and over again, there are these examples in, in, in the scriptures where people fall short. Hey, you know, as it says in the scriptures, let him who thinks he stands take heed or lest he fall. These men, they certainly had their victories. But they also certainly had their failures. And, and let's look at Abram's failure as the scripture unfolds. When the Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. I didn't say anything about how handsome Abram was. Just speaks about Sarah. Matter of fact, I'm apt to believe they said. Who is that with that old guy? Who is that? They looked at her. And, and before you say this, you say, well, she was 65 years old. I mean, really? Hey, she was middle-aged. She lived to be 127. There's some pretty good, you know, middle-aged age. But this, you know, this, as the scripture unfolds, here she is. Pharaoh notices her. Verse 15. Pharaoh's officials saw her. They praised her to Pharaoh. Hey, look at that girl, that old man. She was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. Abram acquired sheep, cattle, male, female, donkey. You know, oh, he, he, he received all this. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned him. What have you done to? 
Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now, turn me over to Genesis chapter 20. I had mentioned that uh, this wasn't the only time he pulled this stunt. Uh, As you come to... uh, Chapter 20, it says, Abram moved on from there into the region of the Negev, lived between Kadesh and Shur, and for a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abram said of his wife, Sarah, here we go again. (laughs) She's my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. God came to Abimelech in a dream. You're as good as dead because of the woman you've taken. She's a married woman. Uh, Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she's my sister? Didn't she also say, he's my brother? I've done this with a clean, clear conscience, clean hands. Oh, anyway, comes to him in a dream and says, return this woman to her husband. And then we come down and uh, Vimlech, verse 9, he says, he called Abram, Abraham and said, what have you done to us? Why have you wronged us? What's your reason for doing this? And he replied, there's surely no fear of God in this place. They'll kill me because of my wife. He's acting in fear. He's he's still trying to solve the test in his way, not God's way. He says, besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And he's taking a, a partial truth and twisting it around to serve his own purposes. This is the this is what's happening in Abram's life as as he's not listening to God as he's following. Back to uh, Genesis chapter twelve, you see Pharaoh verse eighteen as he summoned him. He, he's upset with Abram, and he says in verse nineteen, "Here's your wife. Take her and go. This man of God, this one who has an opportunity to show God to Pharaoh." Blows it. Because he tries to solve the test in his strength instead of God's. Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Pharaoh's heart was closed. And there are so many people, it breaks my heart, who have closed their hearts to God. Because they've been hurt. It's said that when E. Stanley Jones was in India, he spoke to Gandhi and he asked him, he said, what do you think about Jesus? And he said, I don't reject your Christ. I like your Christ. It's just that so many of your Christians are so unlike your Christ. This was Pharaoh. He said, you're not like God. Why'd you do this to me? And then he was closed. All right, wrapping this thing up, five lessons to, to take from this. First, there's a famine in every life. There's a test each of you have. Sometimes I get like this. I've got my stuff, and I hard for me to see your stuff. I'm just, you know, my stuff. But there's a test in every life. 
Psalm 115, verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. We don't particularly like that. God, you need to take my opinion and my preference, and you need to put it on top of your list. But that's not God. There's a test. God wants to do something, and we can't understand it, and we can't fully grasp it. But God says, be careful that you don't try to manipulate this to solve it yourself without doing it my way. Seeking my heart. Second lesson, there's a lie in every escape. You see, he had started this lie early, and then he obviously had developed it and honed it and used it again. And we kind of do the same thing, don't we? There's areas of our lives God wants under his control, and we play our little manipulative games to solve the problems, cut the corners. It's a lie in every escape. Third, there's a weakness in every Abraham, every child of God. You know, the old joke of, I went to church, a roof would fall in. Hey, haven't fallen in yet. We're all here. You know, that's the irony of it, isn't it? When you begin to really walk with God, you think, why in the world does God love me? Hey, the more you know yourself, the more you think, why? But he does. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Man, we're not about... I can't believe you did that. Are you kidding me? When we begin to see Christ in the gospel, you're doing wrong, but I, that's not about that. I want you to know what life's about. I want you to know that, that you can be forgiven. You know that? that okay, i got to move on here. Fourth, there is a Sarah in every compromise. When we sin, when we bypass God's plan, we're not the only one that gets hurt. There's a Sarah in every compromise. There's people who are hurt because of what I did. And then lastly, there's a Pharaoh in every Egypt. Um, there's people out there who are watching. They're looking. We don't realize how powerful... Our testimony is when we follow God. We say, nobody notices. Oh, you'd be surprised. Because they say, how do they do that? And the only answer that makes any sense is God. God. So may we stay close. May we follow him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for your word. Why do we fall? Well, because we have feet of clay. That you are the God who forgives and transforms and picks us back up. And you, know, you can use us. I'm so grateful as you have recorded the failures of your people that you typically use them again. They get back up and seek your forgiveness and go on. And Father, that's our hope. And Lord, as we come to you this morning... I don't know, maybe there's someone here and they feel like I have botched the test so bad that God can't use me anymore. And I just don't believe that. So, Lord, I pray that you speak to the hearts of each one here, including me, and remind us that you want to work in our lives for your glory, Father. So whatever it is that we think's too big, show us it's not. And may we receive your forgiveness and 
take that step, Lord, of letting you restore and use us again. Father, I pray for that. And Father, for others here, maybe there's someone here, and Father, they need to say, you know, I get, you know, I've been to church some, and you know, I've heard about Jesus, but I've never really put it all together that I'm a mess and I need to be forgiven. I need a savior. I need someone to do what I can't possibly do. And that's received God's favor and earned that. And Jesus is the only one that is able to accomplish that, and He has. Um, and I need to. I need that. I, I need to ask Jesus into my life, and I need to be changed by Him. And, Father, how awesome it'd be if someone was just able to stop right now and say, forgive me, Jesus, I need forgiveness. And be born again, born anew. And Father, enter those waters. God, we just pray for that. And uh, Father, with an altar open, we come to you. My prayer is with hearts that are open that we will listen to you and with feet that are willing to follow you, whether it's down this aisle (laughs) or whether it's out of this place and to where you call us to go. Father, have your way as we stand, as we sing, as we follow. In Christ's name, amen.